Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. So I ask you to turn with me to the book of Acts, and uh, that's all I can say. Just turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to start in chapter 2 if you want to start there, but we're going to Uh, find our way through most of the book before we're finished this morning. I don't say that to frighten you. We will move through rather rapidly. Uh, We're not going to have you here until dinner time. So anyway, uh, so welcome to week two of our series of messages entitled Since You've Believed. Uh, As you've seen and most of you that have been here through the year have heard the messages uh, and see on our walls and different things. Our theme for this year has been moving forward. And uh, as we've talked about that, I believe that we all want to progress. We all want to progress in our natural lives, in our physical lives, in our spiritual lives, however that works out. We've all got dreams and aspirations and goals and visions. There, There are things with our careers, things with our families, things with our finances, and there should be things with our spiritual being that we want to see move forward and progress. Now, I believe as well as we're talking about this idea of moving forward, sometimes, at least for me, one of the greatest hindrances to moving forward is that I'm a big picture thinker. I like to think about what could be. I mean the potential of how to maximize, how to get the most bang for your buck. And, you know, I have visions of grandeur. How many of you ever feel that way? It's just like... Man, that's an that's a audacious goal, right? Sometimes, though, we can get so fixed on the end game, the big picture, that we forget about the little steps that are necessary to move us from where we are to where we need to be. Oftentimes in leadership, when I'm talking to people, addressing leaders, I say, listen, we have got to have a big picture goal. We've got to know where it is that we want to go. We've got to be moving towards that. But at the same time, we've got to understand where we are. And we've got to understand the steps that are necessary to move us from where we are to where we want to be. And I believe sometimes we can get bogged down because if you're also like me, you want to move from point A to point B at the snap of a finger. How many of you? Come on, somebody. You don't like to wait. let Let me give you one of the most dirtiest words in the English language and you say well pastor I thought we were at church it's this word process process is an awful word I don't know about you but I hate process it's it's slow it's tedious it, it doesn't happen often as rapidly as we'd like to see it happen. But how many of you know there's process involved in moving from where we are to where we ultimately want to be? There are steps to be taken. You know, in order for us to move forward, to overcome obstacles that get in our way and take new territory, sometimes we have to reacquaint ourselves with some, some of the base fundamentals and be sure that we've got those things taken care of. In other words, we haven't left steps out or tried to step over pieces of the process so it's kind of like building a house 
You know, we, we look at building a house, we get our hopes all up and we're just all fluttery inside because we're going to build a house. And, you know, we don't look at bare pieces of ground and just say, oh my goodness, this is, this is gorgeous, this is wonderful. No, we look at the bare piece of ground and we envision a finished product there. We've been flipping through the magazines and the catalogs and we've been looking at pictures of houses, all different styles and types and all those things. But the thing about those houses are the siding's on, the windows are hung, the doors are hung, the driveway's paved, the lawn is sod, and everything's all finished and complete. But how many of you know if we simply went out, found that finished product, and plopped it down on the middle of a piece of dirt someplace without the necessary processes, it wouldn't take long before we found that our dream home had become our nightmare. Because we hadn't taken the time to lay the foundation. Because we hadn't taken the time to be sure that it was built on a solid and firm and sure foundation. But how many... we? Passing church, passing Cory uh, Road this morning, coming in. Actually, on the way, I saw this, this bare piece of ground where they're starting to build a house. And it's there. There's nothing there but silt barriers. They've scraped up some of the dirt. There's big piles of... There's nothing attractive about this lot. It's, it's just... It's a mess. There's tire tracks all over the place. Big mounds of dirt, sand, all this stuff. But how many of you know that's necessary in order for what is to come to be sustained, right? So the same is true of our spiritual lives as well. If I were to ask you today and say, hey, what kind of Christian do you want to be? You might say to me, well, pastor, I can envision myself, you know, serving, leading worship ministry like Pastor Trey. I can envision myself teaching Bible studies like Daniel. I can envision myself leading a women's ministry like Pastor Lisa. I can envision myself up behind a pulpit such as you are this morning. Well, I want to tell you that unless you have built the right kind of foundation, there's a good chance that you can't move forward and progress in those things as God would like for you to. So, um, you know, the, in our spirit, we've got to have a good foundation because we cannot defeat giants in our lives until we've learned how to not let the menial frustrations and aggravations of life bring us to the point of despair on a daily basis. We can't walk in victory until we've learned how to lay aside our own strength and walk in the power that the Lord gives. We can't prophesy until we've learned how to get still and listen to the still, small voice of God and understand what the Spirit is saying. So, this is, this is what we're doing. We're revisiting some of these foundational building blocks to our spiritual formation and we're asking the question and saying, since we've believed, have I done that thing or not? Have I accomplished that? Have I seen that come to pass in my life? And if the answer is no in any of these situations, then there's a good chance that we need to return again to the basics and sure up the foundations just a bit so that we'll be better suited to move forward in our spiritual pursuits. Now last week we began with the simple principle that if you and I are going to grow far in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we're going to have to recognize the wonder and the glory of salvation and never let that escape far from us. You know, sometimes we're... How many of you are checklist people? 
I've got a checklist. I've got it on my phone. It's on, my, it's on everything I got. Man, I love it. It just pops up and says, you need to do this thing. You need to do that thing. And I'm going to tell you what, it's like the greatest pleasure in the world to go, check, <laughs> finished, done, complete. It's satisfying. And sometimes in our Christianity, we can, we can do that thing. We can, we can come to the altar. We can get saved. We can give our hearts to the Lord. And then it's like, check, moving on next. But in reality, it should never be lost on us. It should never be a bygone, foregone thing that Jesus bled and died and gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins. We should never get over the hill, so to speak. Now, today I want to begin with a question. Since you've believed, have you been baptized? Since you've believed, have you been baptized? Now we covered in the last message as the hearers of Peter's message on the day of Pentecost were cut to their hearts having heard his message and they asked how should they, what should they do to be saved? We read where Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, Acts 2.38. We read those words there. And because some of you may have grown up in a different tradition regarding baptism, I want to clarify my question today. And my question as it relates to baptism is specifically this. Since you've believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, have you been baptized by being immersed in water as a part of your testimony of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't, I don't want to know if you were baptized as an infant or as a part of some religious rite of passage. I'm not asking you if you were baptized as a youngster because it's what your mom and dad wanted you to do. I'm asking, have you been baptized as a part of your personal testimony regarding your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, as we're talking about this issue of baptism, I want to share with you a few ideas and assumptions that people have about baptism. You know, I've been in a lot of churches and participated in a lot of churches, and honestly, there are a number of those that I've been in that they had a couple of things. They had neither the, the capacity, whether fixed or mobile or any way, to baptize new believers. They didn't have, like, a kiddie pool, a, a horse trough, a baptistry, nothing. And not only did they not have the necessary equipment, it honestly wasn't emphasized or spoken of that often. As a matter of fact, growing up in a Pentecostal denomination, actually what it was, you got saved. Next thing they wanted you to do was be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We, went, we just jumped right over water baptism. Not that, you know, it wasn't mentioned, but that's all it was. Basically, a lot of times it was just a passing mention. Maybe occasionally there would be an opportunity. Uh, but in a lot of churches and Christian circles, the practice of being baptized is almost minimalized. It's, it's viewed as something that's not important and, or just a formality. There are a lot of people that believe baptism is just a formality. They read Paul's words to the Roman church in Romans chapter 10 where he says, with your heart you believe and with your mouth you confess and thereby you're saved. And we agree with that, but they would say, look, the baptism deal, it's just a formality. I believe, I've confessed, I'm saved. We agree with you, you're saved. But have you been baptized? 
They'll say, I've believed and I've confessed and I'm therefore saved. But they don't hold that baptism is an important part of their experience. Some people believe that it's optional. They'd say, yes, I I believe I'm saved, but I've never really felt like getting baptized. That's when I drop, you know, well, did Jesus really feel like going to the cross? I've never felt, really felt like getting baptized. Or they may say, I, I've never felt led to be baptized. And we're going to see in just a minute that this is not an issue. The issue of being baptized is not an issue of spiritual leading. It's an issue of simple obedience. It's just being obedient to the word of the Lord, the will of God. You know, some people say, I, I just don't want to. I don't see any need of getting up there in front of everyone and get in the water and then I'm going to have to come out of the water while everybody's looking and I'm going to be wet. No, I just don't want to be in front of people and be wet. (laughs) Can I tell you that if you get up out of the tank in here and and everybody's looking at you and you're dripping wet, nobody cares. Let Let me just relieve you right now. Nobody cares. Nobody's sitting in the pew going, hmm... So that's what that person looks like, wet. No, nobody's going, what we do here at Faith Assembly is when you get baptized, we celebrate. We know that heaven is celebrating, heaven is having a party, and we have one as well. We are lifting you up, we're praising God, we're thanking Him for what He's done in your life, and we are just giving Him glory, amen? So many folks, though, will take a pass on baptism, just say, well, it's, you know, it's kind of optional, I just never did it. But Then there's people, that's one end of the spectrum, then there's people that'll swing to the far end of that spectrum. And they'll tell you that salvation, uh, it's, that's, that baptism is necessary for your salvation. And some people will swing to that other end, and their thoughts about, you know, baptism being a formality or optional over here, and they go to the far side of that and say, you're not fully saved, you're just kind of saved, you know. You, you've started, there again, it's process, you know. You've started the process. Your application's been submitted, but the deal isn't sealed until you've been baptized. Well, you know, there are a lot of verses I understand we could read that might give us that idea, but with those verses, there's usually a way, either grammatically or just through a closer examination of the larger context of that verse that we can explain that principle away but there aren't any concrete verses statements in the Bible that say you have to be baptized in order to be saved it would seem that if there was an issue that's so important that God sent his son to die for that somewhere in the fine print it would say, hey, and by the way, this thing doesn't fully take effect in your life until this happens over here. Well, actually, he has said that. He said in Romans 10, with your heart you believe, and your mouth you confess. In 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's just all there is. You know, there's... There's all kinds of difficulty with that position. And, and one of the first things in my mind that I go to when we talk about this issue of having to be baptized in order for your salvation to be complete is my mind instantly goes to the thief on the cross. 
and he's there and he's talking to Jesus and he's very repentant and he's, he's, he's speaking to the Lord and finally Jesus turns and looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now understand this, that Jesus promised this man heaven as an inheritance but there was no way for him there to look at the centurion who were guarding them and say, hey, oh, buddy, time out here. If you could, I'd like to be taken down. I need to be baptized, and then we can resume this process. He didn't have that opportunity, yet Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. So, the new birth, listen, the new birth is completely spiritual. It's a birth from above, bringing new life from God. It in no way is dependent upon forms or ceremonies or other earthly things. Now, while the action of being baptized doesn't have the power to save us, it's clear in Scripture that it's closely associated with the salvation experience. There's no denying that Peter said, repent and be baptized. It's there. There are other places where we read that in Scripture. We're going to read Mark's account of the Great Commission in just a minute. It almost appears as one successive movement. Salvation and baptism. We're going to read it, Matthew, the same way. It's a part, however, of our obedience and our testimony. Now, I want to share with you a few facts about baptism. Number one, it's a part of the Great Commission. You remember that? You've ever heard the Great Commission? How many of you ever heard the Great Commission? Lord Jesus, I need to do a better job. We've all heard the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Mark chapter 16, we read this. He said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now the instruction is to preach the gospel and to make converts and you know, of those who are converts, they should be baptized. Now you say, aha, pastor, there it is. They've got to, they've got to believe and be baptized to be saved. No, no. Note with me that I've got it highlighted here, this phrase, does not believe. I want you to note that they are to believe and be baptized, but it's not the failure of being baptized that condemns them. It's the failure to believe. Matthew says this, therefore, he recounts Jesus giving the Great Commission this way and says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus emphasizes that part of, the evan part of evangelism and discipleship is to teach them everything that he has commanded them. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment and tie this message together for you as to why this is important for you today. But pattern in the New Testament, in the early church, of people that believed and subsequently were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. They believed and they were baptized. It was almost automatic. Right? It was, it was almost automatic. It's like one of those phrases like where somebody says a word and you can't help but think the next thing. You know? I can't think of one right now, so I should have just left that illustration alone, but you know what I'm saying. Right? So, the practice of being baptized in accordance with the Great Commission subsequent to salvation was the norm in the early church. 
Every, every couple of chapters, you've got your Bible there, Acts chapter 2, open it up, get ready here. Because every, you start in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, and every couple of verse, every couple of chapters thereafter, you read this account of people who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and subsequently were baptized. That was, it was just, it was expected. It was the normal thing to do. And sometimes it was individuals. Sometimes there were entire families. Sometimes it was multitudes. Now I want to take you through a few of those this morning from the book of Acts. And they're listed in your handouts. Now I hope that you've got a handout. I hope you're following along with the message today. But more importantly, I hope because that, that handout is the fuel for discussion in our connect groups. And I hope that you have found a connect group that you've got plugged in and you're involved and that you're going to be a part of that group. It's a wonderful, integral part of life here at Faith Assembly. And we certainly encourage that. So take full advantage of that. And, um, but we considered last week Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost and how people responded to that message asking what must they do to be saved and here's the result in Acts 2:41. it says this those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day that very day Acts chapter 8 we read of Philip's ministry to the Ethiopian eunuch and how that God led, led Philip to that man who was reading the scriptures and trying to study. And Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, I need somebody to explain. And uh, Philip gets in there and begins to explain and share the gospel with him. And he receives Christ. And then the eunuch says, hey, is there anything? Here's some water over here. Is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? So they stop right there. I just think about it. Could you imagine being out on the interstate, just rolling along, and you're talking to one of your friends, and you know, you're just sharing the gospel with them, and, and, and you're just cruising down the interstate, and, and they, they say, you know what, I want to accept the Lord right now. And you say, oh, praise God. And you begin to pray, you know, with your eyes open, of course, because you're driving the car. But, um, but then you just ride along, and they just look over, and they're like, hey, there's some water over there. Could, could you just stop and baptize me right now? You know, and you'd be like, and you want to get back in my car? What are you talking about? You know? But no, man, that is so awesome here. But you can read that Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. We can't forget Acts chapter 9. We can't forget the dramatic conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, the threat, the terror to the body of Christ. He's, he's got the papers from the high priest and he's going to Damascus to seek out those that are, as he says, in the way. And he's going to persecute the church. But along the way, he is knocked off his donkey by the radiant glory of the resurrected Jesus Christ and there has a wonderful conversion experience and the Lord has prepared a man by the name of Ananias to minister to him and, and in that, that account concludes in verse 18 that immediately it says something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized Acts chapter 10 gives the story of Peter getting a vision from the Lord that confirms that he is to go and share the gospel at the household of a certain Gentile by the name of Cornelius and that story uh, concludes with Cornelius and all of his household being baptized they accepted the gospel they received the gospel they were all baptized uh, two accounts in the chapter uh, chapter 16 of Paul's ministry conclude with those to whom he had preached the gospel being saved and being baptized 
Lydia and her whole household, the Philippian jailer. I know that you haven't forgotten that story about Paul and Silas. And the man, I, every time I say Paul and Silas, I can still see the flannel graph boards from when I was a little kid in, in Sunday school, right? You know, they're there and the stripes are on their back and their hands in the shackles and everything. But they're there praising God and an earthquake comes, sets them free. The jailer's about to take his own life because he'd rather fall on his own sword than to face the what's coming to him for letting his prisoners escape. But Paul calls out and says, do yourself no harm. We're all here. And he shares the gospel with him, goes home and shares the gospel with his entire family. And that beautiful story ends with that entire family being baptized. Acts chapter 18, a successful evangelistic crusade at Corinth ends this way. And it says, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. And you say to me today, you say, Pastor, why are you telling me this? What does, what does any of this matter as far as my life? I, I serve the Lord. I'm here at church every week and, you know, I'm just doing my thing. Well, I want to tell you as the pastor of this church, I, I'm also a spiritual shepherd for this body. And I try my best as a shepherd to guard against the spiritual hazards that the enemy would try to throw our way to poison the heart of our people. I I try my best to speak truth when there are so many voices in this generation that are perverting truth. And I try to lead ahead to greener pasture. But how many of you know that there are many places, spiritually speaking, that you just cannot access without obedience? You just can't go there without obedience, without being obedient to the will of the Lord. There are some things that the Lord just bestows upon us graciously in spite of ourselves. You know, we all got up this morning. We were vigorous and full of life and had breath in our lungs and energy to be here today to worship the Lord. And God just pours those things out on us graciously. You may have thought you got up and come here in your own strength, but you didn't. If God removed his grace from you for one second, you'd drop dead. And so he does that just in spite of us, you know? But to progress spiritually will require obedience. Now, let's go back to Matthew's account of the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now Matthew emphasizes Jesus' words here, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, the previous statement was that on the, at the very onset of the converted life, this new relationship with Jesus was to be marked by a baptism. Make disciples and baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How can we expect God's continued blessing or even greater blessing in our lives if we've been disobedient with the very first thing that He asks us to do? If we've considered that as non essential, optional, not necessary. I don't care how long you've been to church. I'm asking, have you been obedient to the Lord? It's a simple question. It's not to be mean. 
but it simply is a spiritual shepherd to say listen if you've started off your relationship with the Lord in disobedience then now is the time to make that right and say Lord at the very simplest thing at the very at the very most base fundamental of of Christianity I want to be obedient to you because as I walk in obedience to you I'm expecting a greater and multiplied blessing in my life so I ask you today since you believed have you been baptized have you been baptized and you may say well pastor I'm I'm still not exactly clear on what I'm supposed to do well listen baptism is simply this it's not an act that saves you there's no sanctifying power in being immersed in water and if you've been baptized as a part of some ritual or religious ceremony or something let me tell you this all that happened in that moment was that you got wet that's it baptism in its truest form is an outward representation and therefore a testimony of an inward reality let me tell you something when when we set everything up here and we've drawn the water and we've got it right when you come up and we call your name and you come and stand here and you're waiting and all of the congregation here is testifying and they're witnessing this and they're seeing it do you know what the very first thing you're doing is this you're aligning yourself in agreement with the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 when he says I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation you're saying listen I'm here to testify that that word is true it is the power of God unto salvation because first of all I am a life that has been changed I am a life that has been transformed by the power of God I'm here to testify not only that but that you're signifying by following Jesus in water baptism that we are one of those lives that have been changed we're we're saying this what what has happened to me is that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I have reckoned the old man and his deeds to be dead and buried we're going down in the water we're, we're going back we're going down we're saying hey that old me is gone he's dead I have reckoned him dead you're like Paul when he says in Galatians 2 20 I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I but Christ in me and then up you come up you come out of that water and what you're signifying is that that old me that old life is gone and what's raised up is the new life that is witnessed in scripture where Paul says if any man is in Christ Jesus he's a new creation old things have passed away and all things have been made new you come up out of there and say I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus my shame my guilt it's all gone my sin is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm a new creation you say well pastor I'm a, I'm a private person I'm, I'm just I'm too private for all of that public display I come in the house of the Lord I see people with their hands raised and stuff and I'm just I'm a, I'm a private individual I've never seen a private sports fan 
Have you? No, 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 no. They wear all of the regalia, the, the hat, the, the matching shirt. Some of you are fortunate enough to have purple and gold spiked shoes like me. You know? And we get fired up, man. We get fired up. Yeah, go team. But when it comes to our faith, all of a sudden we're private. We're private people. Can I tell you something? There is nowhere in Scripture that we are affirmed in saying that our relationship with Christ is a, is a private matter in our lives. Now, it's personal. It has to be personal to each and every one of us, but there's a difference between something being personal and something being private. We're not to be ashamed of Him before men. But we're to boldly confess that He is our Lord. You see, it's not private. And the reason I know it's not private is this. Because the Word says that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. He has redeemed you and saved you to bring glory and honor and praise to His own name. You can't do that if you're keeping it to yourself. Furthermore than that, He said in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. To let everybody know, hey, I'm, I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. Let me give you one little thing just for you in this personal walk with the Lord. In Joshua chapter 4, we read quite a triumphant narrative. And it is the point where 40 years of wilderness wandering has come to an end. God has miraculously delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt's slavery. He's brought them through the wilderness wandering and now here they are on the cusp of their inheritance. They're going in to possess their land. God instructs Joshua and says, Joshua, have the high priest bear up the Ark of the Covenant. Walk into that flood stage river. And as soon as they step foot in the water, it begins to heap up. They cross over for the second time on dry ground. Then God instructs Joshua and says this, Hey, go back into that riverbed. And I want you to get up 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And I want you to make a monument. I want you to establish that thing there and what that's going to be, Joshua. One day your children are going to come. One day your grandchildren are going to come. And they're going to say, hey, what's up with the rocks? You're going to say, oh, let me tell you a story. Let me, let me tell you about God's deliverance. Let me tell you about the power of God to rescue from slavery and sin. Let me tell you about the power of God to bring you out of wilderness wandering and usher you into a new inheritance. Just let me tell you what the Lord has done and what this means I can tell you this there'll be times in your life and in your Christian walk that the adversary will come against you and say you got nothing you got nothing you're, you're, you try to walk around and hold up some Christian facade you try to behave like you're some kind of sanctified something else you got nothing but I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your mind a time 
when in the company of God and his congregation you stood before and you identified and said I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation and it has worked effectively in my heart and life and I'm here to declare that I'm a new creation in him and it's going to be what you need they erected monuments in Gilgal of God's providence and his work in their lives and every time they'd go out and do battle they'd come back and visit those monuments to remember what God had done I want to challenge you today if you've never taken the time if you've never seen it as necessary I know this may seem like elementary but there's so many in the church today that they're expecting to progress in the things of God and they've started off their relationship with him on disobedience or at least delayed and delayed obedience is the same as disobedience and you're expecting God for greater things and I'm telling you that if greater things ride on the back of simple disobedience uh, simple obedience I'm sorry listen if you've not been baptized we want to celebrate that with you October 6th mark it down on your calendar jump online faith-assembly.org slash baptisms doesn't cost you a thing you'll even get a free t-shirt out of the deal but you'll get more than that you'll get a testimony you'll get a time that you remember when you'll get a monument a milepost, a milestone erected in your life that'll be a, a resource for you moving forward and through simple obedience you will position yourself for greater blessings you believe that? You believe that's the word of the Lord this morning? So I want to challenge you with that. Don't be, a, I mean, you may have been to church 20, 30, 40 years. I don't care. It's never too late to do the right thing. Right? We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.